This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. please turn with me to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. I want to start a series of conversations over the next ever how many weeks. The goal is four. We'll see how it goes. And look at this story that maybe you're so familiar with. Maybe you could Tell it to me by heart. And I want us to look at this with an open mind and an open heart. Of exactly what it is that the Lord could teach you and could show you from this journey that Jonah went on. I have spent a lot of time this week. It's a very very short little book. I've read it, I've read it, I've read it, and I've read it again. And I'm amazed that every time I read through this book and I understand the story and I look at what Jonah went through, through this call, through this purpose, through this destiny that God had for him. Every time I read it, there's something different that jumps out at me and there's a new life lesson that directly applies to my life. And so I want to walk us through this over the next few weeks. Jonah is the only prophet's story that we see that rather than hearing the message that he preached, we see the journey that it took him to get there. You look at these other prophets and you hear their message. You hear the cry that they made on behalf of Israel. You hear uh, Ezekiel speaking to the valley of dry bones, the, the message that he gave, repent, turn from your ways. You look at all the prophets of this time and you see their message. God made it very clear. Very, It was a point for it to be in our word of God that we understand the message of the prophet. But this story is completely different. Nowhere do we really hear the message that Jonah preached to this group at Nineveh. It was all about his journey. I'm going to read through this, and I don't really know exactly how we'll stop it and pause it. But I'm going to start in verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go. To the city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against this because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. That was a great idea, just in case you didn't know. Terrible idea. At one point, I started laughing out loud when I'm reading through this this story because I'm like, man, good job, buddy. He got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. 
So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up, pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them, he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it'll become calm again. I know that this is terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder. That was dumb in itself. He just told you how to fix your problem, but instead, they rode even harder. To get the ship to land, but stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you've sent this storm upon him, and for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. I'll be honest, I've had my, my week of laughing at Jonah. There's several parts throughout this story that I just read it, and I'm like, man, you didn't get it. Like, what were you thinking? First of all, God told you to go speak to these people. And instead, you went the opposite direction. Geographically, it was 500 miles thereabout for Jonah to go from where he was to Nineveh. It was 2,500 miles for him to get on a boat and go to Tarshish. It always takes more effort to be disobedient than it does to be obedient to what God wants. Always. Not only did it take more effort from him, he had to buy the ticket to get on the boat. The boats were there, they were in the port, because about every three years they cycled around and they were trading goods and they were bringing gold and silvers from Tarshish and they were going back. And so it just so happened that this boat happened to be there in the first place and he said, hey, I got to get away from God. And this is one of those laughing moments for me because whenever the, the moment of truth finally comes and in verse 9 when he says, I'm Hebrew, I'm, I serve the God that created the God of the heavens, the God of the sea, he knows God created the sea, Right? But somewhere in his messed up thought process, he said, I'm getting on this boat in the ocean and I'm going to escape God. It makes no sense. And then he somehow thinks some way, shape or form. In the middle of the storm, the Lord sent the storm in the first place. You need to know that. He was disobedient. God gave him a purpose. He gave him a plan. Hey, it's your job today. You need to go to Nineveh. These people need you. He gave him a plan. He gave him a purpose. And he said, nah, I'm going the opposite direction. No, thank you. And not only am I going to jump on this boat, but I'm going to go sleep through this ride so I don't have to endure the agony that I'm feeling for being disobedient. 
Because anytime we're disobedient, anytime we want to dis- disobey or step out of what God wants, and I'm not talking about some, see, see, this is where this, it all comes back full circle. I'm not talking about God sending you to some foreign country to speak to people that are heathens. I'm talking about having the guts to forgive somebody that's cut you to the bone and hurt your heart. See, it's easier for us to get on the boat and go the opposite direction and try to sleep through it, hoping that it goes away. God will forget all about it. I don't have to have forgiveness. I don't have to offer up this forgiveness for whatever's taking place. I don't have to love this person even though I don't like them anymore. I'm just going to sleep through it, and when I wake up, it'll all be gone. Isn't that kind of where depression puts us? You get in a funk, you get messed up, and you, your brain, your mind just has told you, you know what, go to bed. When you wake up tomorrow, it'll be over. Wrong. Go find you a way out. Go figure out some way, shape, or form to check out of the world for a little while. Go get high. Go do whatever you need to do to check out of the reality of the fact that you have a purpose, you have a plan. Just check out for just a little while, and when you wake up, it'll be better. It don't work. Jonah had an issue. The first issue Jonah had was he didn't like the people of Nineveh. He truthfully didn't want God to save the Assyrians that made up the people of Nineveh. If he had, he'd have been on the first boat there and he'd have showed up and said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. If for no other reason, do it for me. You need to turn to God and love him, offer up a sacrifice. Otherwise, he's going he's gonna to destroy you. He's fixing to put judgment on you. He didn't do that. He had such an issue with the people of Nineveh that he did not want God to deliver them. They were a rough people, though. The Assyrians were some rough dudes. It's family day, and we got some kids. I'm not really going to tell you exactly how rough they were. But they really, I was, when I was studying this, they have no respect whatsoever for life. There's no respect whatsoever for the body after life. In other words, when somebody dies, they could care less where they're hung, where they're strode, what they're stacked up in. It doesn't matter. They're some rough people. And then I thought about me. Here I am laughing at Jonah. But my mind's kind of small sometimes. Maybe yours isn't. Good for you. There's some people that if you're anything like me, you said... They just need to go ahead and put a bullet in them, let it be done. Now, some of these people deserve some serious consequences that have done some horrible, horrible things. And that's probably the context that you and I were talking about when we made the statement. 
But I understand a little bit of Jonah's heart by that thought process that there's some people that are living in a way, and this is a people group. This isn't one individual that's doing these horrible things. This is a whole community. This is a country full of people that the king himself said, we're terrible. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. He himself stopped all the destruction. A horrible group of people. And Jonah did not believe they deserved forgiveness. And you and I make that decision sometimes if we're not careful. Who gets forgiveness and who doesn't get forgiveness? Who gets the love of Jesus? Who doesn't get the love of Jesus? Who am I going to turn my shoulder to? And who am I going to embrace face to face and seek out what maybe I can do for them through the nudging of the Holy Spirit? I'm just telling you, I went on a guilt trip laughing at Jonah. And he goes the opposite direction. See, we do that. You're sitting here this morning. So chances are you know some right from some wrong. You know what you're supposed to do from what you're not supposed to do. I'm not even really talking about sin. We're beyond that in this conversation. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. I'm talking about who it is, the way that we're supposed to handle ourselves, the way that we're supposed to to treat other people, the way that we're supposed to present ourselves, the way that we're supposed to to forgive and move past those people that have hurt us, the way that we have to give somebody that second chance that's hurt us and cut us deep. But we choose to go the opposite direction. And we do. We've all done that. Jonah did it. I hope you weren't crazy enough to put yourself at the mercy of the ocean when you decided to go the opposite direction of where God wanted you to go. He was just following his instinct to flee. I don't know how you operate when you get upset, when you get stressed, when you get mad, when something's really, really ticked you off. Maybe you go off the handle when you lose it. Lord bless you and watch your words when you do. I shut up. I retreat in my own mind. I don't say nothing. I don't typically do anything. I keep to myself. It's a running mechanism. Let me get away from whatever it is that is really, really breaking me down right now at this moment. Anybody else like that? Maybe you confront it. I run from it. Not physically, but in my mind. Mike and I, If we ever were to have a disagreement in our marriage, not that we ever have, we would never do that. If we ever have a moment, we were somewhere the other day, and I'm not going to get personal because you don't deserve really our business, but I'll tell you this. For the first time in a very, 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 very long time, I told her something that was really bothering me that she was doing. I don't ever do that. 
I bet she can't tell you on three fingers three times that I've ever done that. It's not easy for me to do. It's not healthy. It's not the right thing for me to do. I'm, I'm communicating a fault to you right now. I'm just telling you, I withdraw. And when I started thinking about me and not thinking about Jonah and how dumb he was to get on a boat and go the opposite direction of where God was telling him to go, and I, I put myself in front of the mirror for a moment and looked at me and realized, you're the same way. Right? Sure, I'm not talking about, I've been called to go and, and witness and tell these group of heathen people, hey, if you don't get saved, you're going, you're going to be destroyed. But kind of in a way, I am called to do that because that's my place, but not really. I'm not talking about that for you. I'm talking about the little things of life, how we lead our family, how we love the people around us, how we stand up in our workplace, what we're doing everywhere that we go, how I look when I'm standing in line at Walmart. And that poor lady scanning my stuff way too slow. I'm talking about those moments when I, I have a decision to make. Do I put on a big old smile and find out why this lady's taking way too long? Or do I get frustrated? And will you please hurry up in my mind? I've been called to love. I've been called to stop, shut up, slow down, and listen and find the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Of every person I'm in front of. And it ain't just me that's been called to that. You've been called to that as well. And so I've got a, a decision to make in that moment, in every moment. Do I follow that or do I go the opposite direction? And it's always more effort to go the opposite direction. So he gets on the boat. He's paid the money. They're sailing across the sea. And he forgets the God who wrote his story, just like that song you just sang a few minutes ago, knows it from beginning to end. He says, I'm Hebrew, I serve the God of the heavens, the one that created the sea. And the Bible says he had already told him he was running from a calling. And he said, why are you doing this? See, sometimes the storms that are in our life, I've had to learn through my own personal struggles, through my storms. Sometimes the storms are to put us back in alignment with where God's trying to take us. Just because I choose to go the opposite direction does not mean I get to go the opposite direction. I love my babies dearly, but they struggle understanding they don't have the right to tell me what they want and do not want to do. Right? I don't get to choose. Sure, I can make a decision to go get on a boat to go to the farthest place possible. Lord, help us if I do. If you've ever been called to do anything whatsoever, something as small as picking up a piece of trash or as big as maybe ministering to a group of people, whatever it is, if you chose not to do it, I promise you that you have been miserable in the process of doing the opposite. If God has ever spoken anything into your life for you to do, small, big, to say, I'm sorry, to say, I love you, to say, hey, I'm sorry, I did whatever it is. 
and you chose not to, I promise that 2,500-mile journey to the opposite direction was miserable. Because a storm's going to come. It didn't come out of nowhere. It says that, that God threw a wind. He, he, he threw a wind over the sea so great that it made this big storm. And here's Jonah asleep. And then I thought about me again. Because we forget how many of our decisions affect other people around us. Even the little ones. I'll be very transparent with you for a moment because I'm a person just like you are. If I neglect this at any point in time at all, it shows in my delivery of the gospel when I stand before you. Lord, I hope there's enough grace that you don't know it, but I do. My decision affects a whole lot of people. And if I get in the car today and I'm frustrated because some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy and you just don't understand and I feel like a failure in a communicator and I get in the car and I bask in that, that decision will affect whoever's in my car the rest of the day. Micah cannot stand for me to get a text message. I'm serious. And sometimes it's aggravating to me because who you're texting. And it's not because she's nosy. It's not because that she doesn't trust me and who I'm texting. It's really because I think she's trying to prepare herself for what's coming later. And if I'm ever in a position where I don't respond to a text message for you or I don't answer a text message from you, Unless if you need me, and I know you need me, I'll do my best to respond. But if you're texting me to tell me something that I don't need to handle at that moment, I'm not handling it. Because I'm learning enough about me that if I'm with my family and you send me a text message about how you didn't like something I said today, I'm not touching it. We'll address it when the time is right to touch it. But if I'm with my family, I'm not because I've learned enough about me that when I get that text message, my mind starts wondering enough. It could have been that you were going to tell me I preached the best sermon ever. But you send a text message and say, hey, we need to talk about today. I'm done the rest of the day. And that decision from me affects everybody else around me. I ain't the only one like that. You have a bad day at work, and you either going to make a decision to suck it up buttercup and put a smile on your face, or you're not. We're learning. We're in this thing together. I'm telling you my failures. I'm telling you my struggles. But I'm also telling you I'm doing my very best to make them better. We're learning this thing together. There are ways to fix these days. 
Jonah went to sleep. That's not the way to fix it. Because his storm was causing havoc on the people he chose to get on the boat with. They didn't choose him. These poor sailors did not have a clue who was getting on their boat when he bought the ticket and stepped on board. I'm just on a roll talking about me today. Micah and I talked about years ago. We would be in ministry. We knew without a doubt before I even really accepted a call. We knew somehow, shape, or form one day I'd accept it and we'd be in ministry. She got on my boat. I got on her boat. And then we put babies on the boat. My storm should not beat the snot out of our boat. Those guys didn't ask. They're not running from a call on God. But yet they're taking the beating for what he has done, or rather not done. And they start flipping out. And they start asking their gods, what's going on? What, 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 la, la, la. And finally the captain goes down and he says, hey, I need you to pray to your God because obviously your God's got some power and some control and there's an issue here. And they figure out it's his fault. And then figuring out it's his fault, they say, how do we fix it? He said, you got to throw me in the middle of the ocean. Sometimes the way we end the storm is by jumping in the middle of the ocean. The unknown, he thought he was jumping in to die, which was kind of selfish because if he jumped in and died, then the Assyrian people of Nineveh still were not receiving the judgment. He said, throw me in. These sailors start praying to God. Oh, God, don't hold us accountable for this. Save us. Get us through this. Yet they still try to carry him through the storm. The people around you can support you to an extent. But if God's called you to do something, they can't carry you through that storm that you're walking out in disobedience. Micah loves me with all her heart. I believe that. And she'll stand behind me and beside me through anything we walk through. But if God's put a mandate on me that's specific to me, she can't carry me through that storm. i got to get off the boat so that they can be okay. I'm not talking about leaving my family. I'm talking about leaving my emotions in check. So he jumps off and the sea stops to be left unknown. Can you go play something soft for me, please? This group of sailors were terrified of the storm. 
in verse 10. And in verse 16, they're fearing the Lord. The group of sailors, their world's been rocked because of what Jonah's doing to them. They're terrified for their life. But because he jumped in the water, he didn't jump because they threw him in the water. He said, you got to throw me in. He knew what had to happen. This isn't the end of the story. You know the end of the story. We'll talk about it later. He didn't have a clue what was going to take place. Verse 17 said the Lord had prepared a big fish to swallow him up. For all we know, if we stop right there, the fish is going to swallow and digest him. That's the end of Jonah's life because he's a disobedient joker. But God's got more grace than that. I don't know what. I don't know what God's calling you to. I don't know who it is you need to love. Who it is you need to show some love of Jesus, agape love to. I don't know who it is you need to forgive. I don't know what kind of thoughts you need to set captive in your mind. I don't know what you need to release. I don't know what kind of people you need to throw off your boat so your storm settles down just a little bit. God's taught me a lot through this simple little four-chapter book. And I, I literally have laughed out loud this week. Micah said, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm laughing at Jonah. The dude was crazy. He's an idiot. But from that point to bringing it all back around, I realize I'm laughing at me. I'm the one that was dumb. Many of you know our story, at least a little bit of our story of how we got here. God transitioned us in December of 2016 to serve as student pastors in Baxley, Georgia. We went in, we worked our tails off. Uh, built a beautiful facility. Blood, sweat, tears. I even thought I had a bone busted in it through the process. Through that journey, I knew without a doubt, we knew we were positioned where we were supposed to be. When we walked in the door, we had no doubt whatsoever that God had placed us exactly where he wanted us. We knew we received a call from him. We knew we were supposed to go. And so we went. And because of the nature of the assignment, the beautiful youth facility we built, 
became my priority. And I lost this. I had just enough of this to throw together a sermon to preach on a Wednesday night to a group of about 65, 70 teenagers. Just enough of this to throw together a Sunday school lesson. And our journey didn't end well. Because what turned in, what, what was God sending us to a place to make a difference in some people's lives turned into me getting on a boat walking away from the purpose and the destiny that I had before me. I love Jesus. I love Jesus through it all. I never one point in my journey did I ever feel like my salvation was in jeopardy. But I was not fulfilling my purpose. And because of me, I got to a place where when things were said, when things were done, they cut me to the bone. Brian and I were talking yesterday. We were washing cars, throwing water all over each other, hitting each other with hose pipes. And I said, I'm sorry. He said, nah, when you're working, you just might as well be expected and move on. It's all business. And he's right. Except I wasn't sent to that place to work and it be all business. I was sent to minister the gospel. And nobody's fault but my own. That in that storm, I got messed up. And so Mike and I finally said we're done. We're tired. We're hurt. Beat down. Broken. And so we packed up our stuff. My daddy bought a trailer. He left it one week. We had it packed up the next week. And we hauled our mess out of that house. And we went home. And I laid down, hurt, broken. We came home in July of 2017. And it wasn't until May of 2018 that I stepped into this house as the pastor. It wasn't until November, December of the same year that we came home that I even felt like I could ever step back into a position of leading people whatsoever again. I was hurt. I had been destroyed by people that I have no doubt whatsoever loved us. Things got said, some things got done that were not good. There's no excuse for their, their behavior, their activity. That wasn't, that's not what I'm saying. I was not in a place, though, where I received that and understood, hey, we're just rolling on for the kingdom, keep going. And so I went to a storm. I got to a really, really low place 
that worship team get up and worship like they did this morning and I'd do my very best to sit here and not fall apart. You see me worship, I'm a worshiper. I couldn't hardly stand up without breaking down and losing myself. Storm was rough. Everybody I jumped on the boat with felt the effects of that storm. And finally in an auto one night, after I had poured my heart out, bawled my eyes out, I sat down and I wrote a note of how depressed, discouraged, beat down, broken down, busted, and God never can use me again. I don't even know that you even love me anymore, Lord. I got the note on my phone because there's days I go back and read it. I remember that night was a moment where I was thrown into the sea. Whatever. And finally we get to a place after being in this dark, deep place. Finally the Lord began to give me some light. Yeah, I stepped out of his plan. I don't have a clue what it would look like if we'd have stayed right where we were. We might would have lasted another week, and then that would have been the real transition. I don't know. But I cannot tell you whatsoever that God released us and allowed us to leave that place. And because we walked out in disobedience, because we went the opposite direction, we dealt with a storm. The story is crazy. I could just tell you on and on. Couldn't buy a house. We had a house that we built. Was our We loved our home. When we were youth pastors across the river, loved it. Couldn't sell it when we got to Georgia. And then finally, three months later, on the very last day that it could sell, it sold. We closed. It was done. So we moved back home and don't have a home. We moved in with my mom and dad, which was a blessing to us, but it won't our house. House after house after house after house we looked at would fall through and fall apart. And it finally in January of 2017, we thought, or 2018, we thought, hey, we're going to be able to have a house. We're going to be able to move into this home. Got the, the loan. Everything was straight. They sent an appraiser out a brand new house. Failed an appraisal of $12,000. It was part of the storm. For me, I'm deep down dark in the belly of a fish. And had no idea where in the world we were going to be spit out.
finally we went through enough healing. I got asked yesterday. We met some incredible people yesterday. I met a man named Jay, a man named Earl. couple more and Jay looked at me though and I told him just a little small bit of my story I said I stepped out of ministry for nine or ten months I said I had to heal he said was that okay could you do that I said I don't know yeah I said because I had enough wisdom to understand there was no way I could ever see other people heal under my ministry if I didn't heal first By the time you ever met me on that Easter Sunday morning, my storm was over. We had no idea where we were going, what we were doing, and that was, we were okay. Here's all of this. I know what time it is. I got to drive eight and a half hours. You don't. So just bear with me. Wherever we are in this journey together. I hope that you've been told, go to Nineveh, and you say, yes, sir, and you got on that boat and you went to Nineveh. I don't believe that all of us are as submissive as that. And I believe some of us got some stubborn streaks, and some of us let our emotions get in the way, and some of us let our own struggles and failures and insecurities beat us down enough that we don't do that. Jonah's life for me is more than spending time in the belly of a whale for three days, the belly of a fish, whatever, and him being spit out on the, the ocean and going and doing what he was called to do. The whole deal is I am who he says I am. And he is the author of my story. And no matter what journey I choose to take to get from point A to point B, I'm still going to point B from point A. And it is part of his divine appointment, his divine plan, that you and I are together and that I stand here today. It may have been out of disobedience, but I'm telling you that the grace of God is bigger than any opposite direction I could ever go. It cost me something. It was hard. What if I'd have waited two weeks and Brother Gorda called and said, hey, I'm getting ready to retire. I like it. What if it had been just that simple? I have no clue what it would have been like. My journey cost me something. And I got the scars to prove it. But I just need somebody, I guess, to know if you're on the boat headed to Tarshish, Jump off and be faithful enough to know God's going to put you back where he wanted you to be. Because it's going to cost you a whole lot more effort. It's going to cost you a whole lot more money and resources to go the opposite direction. But all it takes is faith to go the right way. Swallow some pride. If Jonah had said, you know what, I've been called to love all people, all colors, all languages. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm called to go. I don't care how bad they are. I'm called to see. It don't even matter if he just said, hey, go tie your tennis shoes. Go tell them Jonah tied her tennis shoes. He should have went. 
It shouldn't have mattered what the message was. It shouldn't have mattered what it, what it was for. And that's where all this came back around to me. What is it that you've been told to do? Who is it you've been told to forgive? I'm on forgiveness. I don't know what it. There's hope if you're in the middle of the ocean because of your stupidity. Almost every time I found myself in the middle of an ocean, it was my fault. Right? I chose to go on a journey that I had no business being on. There's hope. Would you stand with me? I'd imagine maybe Jonah wanted to be thrown off because of some selfishness that he didn't have to go to Nineveh. I kind of want to think God had his attention by that point, and that wasn't the case. I think he realized he had messed up, and I don't think he realized the grace of God that was going to cover his life and bring it back around and give him another shot. I don't know. I can't tell you that for certain. Maybe he was trying to avoid the calling altogether still. It doesn't matter. Either way, he felt hopeless enough. He said, the way you make it all go away, throw me in the ocean. He had no clue what was coming. He had no clue the grace of God that was going to restore him. He had no clue that at the end of the way our Bibles are organized, there's a verse 17 that said, God had prepared a great fish to swallow him up. Wherever our journey is today, I just want to give you some hope that the author of your story knows right where you are. Wake up. You ain't got no business being at the bottom of the boat asleep because you're mully grubbing in the way that you've acted. Have some boldness under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, and that same power can stop that sea when you act on faith. I'm not saying the storm's going to cease while you keep going the wrong direction. I probably think that the boat would have crumbled if he hadn't turned and done what he knew he had to do. I'm done laughing at Jonah, though, because the more I've looked at how dumb he really is, the more I've looked at how dumb I really am. My prayer today is that God would give us the encouragement, the wisdom, the self-confidence in him to walk in faith where he's told us to go. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for grace. God, I thank you that in my story, though I stepped out of 
the line I believe you called me to walk, God, you just reorganized the map to bring me right back to your destiny. I thank you that even though I messed up and even though I may have made a decision to step out of what it was you had for me, God, you knew from the beginning of time before I was ever thought of, God, that I was going to make the decisions that I've made. And you already had a detour plan that whenever I messed up and I made those mistakes, God, you already had the detour in place to take me right back to where you wanted me to be. To put me right back in the palm of your hand. To put me right back smack dab in the middle of your wheel. I thank you for grace. God, I pray for these people that are standing in this room today, God, that you are moving in their hearts. God, maybe they've got a decision in front of them. Maybe it's the small, everyday decisions. Do I smile at the lady at McDonald's or do I turn my head and act like I don't see them? Whatever it is, God, I pray, God, that you give them the boldness, the courage to make the decision to take the step of faith rather than the one that's going to cost them so much more to go the opposite direction. God, those that are in the house that have made the decisions that were against what you had for us, Lord, I pray that you restore hope in their life today. You give them a new peace today, Father, to understand you wrote the story. You created the sea, and they're right smack dab in the middle of the storm that you are pushing their direction to steer them back to your wheel. God, there's hope for us today. God, I pray that you knock down any barrier any restriction, any walls between us and what it is you've called us to. God, if it's forgiveness, restoration, if it's a love for our family, if it's a relationship mending between someone in our family, a friend, if it's a separation that needs to take place between us and something we're doing, God, I pray that we make the decision to go with you and not against you. I thank you, Lord, that you help me when I mess up my way. When I choose my way instead of yours. I thank you, thank you that you love me enough to bring me back. As the song says, when I thought I lost me, you knew where to find me. And you reintroduced me to your love. I thank you, Lord. God, I pray for your people today. I pray blessings over their lives, their families, their homes. Lord, I thank you for bringing us together, Father, financially, that we pool our resources to make a difference for the kingdom, God. And I pray that you bless exponentially, Father. As it's already been spoken over this house, I pray that double portions be poured out on the, the households that are represented in this house. God, I pray that you keep us, you bring us back. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.